You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. How are you this morning? Good, good. I'm excited about this series we're getting ready to start this morning and uh, I'm Marty by the way if you're new here and I haven't met you officially uh, I'm pastor here at the church at Rutledge David youth pastor student pastor whatever you want to call him uh, was up here this morning before we saw the video glad you guys had a good time at Motown Madness uh, our students and thank you for being here this morning uh, really awesome and I'm excited about um, this series, it's kind of like a highlight film of the Old Testament. Uh, it's based off of, if you remember when we went through Hebrews, if you were here and we, we preached through the book of Hebrews, and we got to chapter 11, and it's filled with all these references of uh, heroes of the faith, you might call them, just all these people that by faith just trusted God, and because of their faith, these amazing things happened, and God was able to use them for his purposes, and, and, and so it even reminded me, it reminds me a little bit if you, this is going to go way back, so I don't know, I know Brady and Tony, some of you guys will remember uh, the Old Testament Rewind uh, drama that we did, I think we did it for Christmas one year or something like that, but um, it, that, yeah, there's a few of you that are like, I remember that far back, because that's like 12 years ago or something, but it, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like going back and going through. Hebrews 11 talks about all these, you know, Abraham and Moses and Noah and Enoch. And just it just goes on and on about these people in the Old Testament. And even gets to the end and is like, I could keep going about Samson and all these other people, Gideon. And, but we don't have time to go through all that. Even the, he, he even says that in there. And so we're going to kind of highlight some of those and preach through that. Me and David and even Tony. And take this series and take different people and and go through all the you know as much as we can those people that are in Hebrews 11 so we get to jump back to the Old Testament but really being in the New Testament so it's exciting I, I like it a lot and so um, God had accomplished great things through these through these people and what qualified them for it was that they participated by faith and now, have you ever felt like you've been called, like, to do something, or God had this great purpose for you, which all of us do, but you, you kind of you kind of get a direction on that, and you know what that is, and you're like, okay, God's, I think God's calling me to do this, he's telling me to go this direction, I'm, I'm made for this purpose, and you had this drive to make a difference with your life, but then you're like, I just don't see how it's going to work, like, I don't see the path, I don't see where the the resources are coming from. I don't see how all the pieces fit together, but I know I, that this is what I'm supposed to do. Any, any of you ever felt that way? Anybody? You can participate with me. It's okay. Don't be scared. Okay. Uh, it, well, that's kind of like these stories are kind of like the answer to that dilemma for you of not saying, well, here's where it's all going to come from, but saying, here's just what you need to do. You just got to have faith that if God is asking you to do this, that it's going to work. It's going to accomplish the purpose God has for whatever that is he's calling you to do, okay? So each of these stories kind of is how it happens, and it's by faith. 
okay? And let's look at Hebrews 11 very quickly, and then we'll get to today's story about Cain and Abel, because uh, we, we have quite a bit of ground to cover there. But Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 4, uh, says this, says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So just a quick comment on that is, a lot of people think, as Christians, it's just blind faith. But there, but there is some things God gives us assurance of, of these things that we, we know to be true, okay? It's not just blind faith, it's faith in, in, in God and what he has revealed to us. The conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval, okay? You see that? By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible, okay? Because it's a faith thing. By faith, Abel, here's where we get to today. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. There's a question on your small group stuff for those of you in small groups about that better sacrifice, okay? Through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, Though he is dead, he still speaks. Okay? So God used his life even in his death because of the faith that he had. It's amazing that that God can do all of that given that circumstance. And so it's interesting as we look at the story in Genesis chapter 4 that the first crime, the first murder, first degree murder... Okay, remember you're in Granger County. I know a lot of you are out-of-state transplants, and, but, but you moved to Granger County, tomato farming area, okay, tomato farming community. Okay, the first crime, the first murder was between two farmers right after church. Isn't that interesting? Okay, and you think the Bible isn't relevant anymore. Look at that, okay? Speaks to us right where we're at, okay? But Genesis chapter 4, as we begin the chapter, we see the effects of what happened in chapter 3, which is the fall, right? We're seeing that in the previous chapter, the choice that Adam and Eve made, that they chose to disobey God and sin entered the world, okay? So chapter 3 gives us the root of sin, right? And, and the and in chapter 4, we see that root of sin grow and produce some fruit. The fruit of sin happens. And it, it, it's, a, it's amazing. To, to sum up, you know, what Paul said in Romans 5, he said, through one man sin entered the world, right? Talking about Adam. And death through sin, so death spread to all men, right? So the fall happens, sin enters the world, Sin leads to death, and that spread, he goes on to say, you know, it just spread throughout time, okay? And so, here it is, is this, and if you, if you get some background on, like, what happened when they sinned, you know, they went to cover themselves up, and they used vegetation to do that, and then God says, no, that's not adequate, let me provide for you a covering, because they realized all of a sudden that they were naked and they were ashamed, it said, and they hid from God. So they're aware of their sin. And so God says, let me take care of that. He kills an animal and uses the skins of the animals to cover 
them and their sins, so blood had to be shed, and we'll get into all that in just a minute and how that relates to what happens with Cain and Abel. And it's kind of setting up this understanding of a, of a blood sacrifice for our sins that needs to happen, which obviously leads you to Jesus and what he does. But it's all foreshadowing of Jesus because the Bible, if, if, you, if you don't realize this, when you start reading anywhere in the Bible, it's about Jesus from Genesis all the way to Revelation, okay? It, he is what it's all about, okay? And so we discover many things in there in Genesis chapter 4, a lot of firsts. It's the first pregnancy ever. Think about that. Can you imagine what went through Adam's mind as, like, she started to grow, Right? It's the only time in history, like, you've got to be jealous of him a little bit that he could look at her and go, putting on a little weight, honey, right? And she didn't care. There's nobody else to compare to or whatever. It's the first time this ever happened. So she's like, yeah, this is pretty cool, isn't it? You know, or whatever. It wasn't like, not like it is today, right? Okay. It's, it's the first birth ever, this first family, first dysfunctional family. I mean, this is right from the beginning, okay? We think all that's new today, but sin causes all that, Okay. The first crime ever committed, the first death. So Cain is the first baby ever born on earth, okay? Remember, Adam and Eve are made by God. And so now inside, just, talk, just think about this for a minute because it makes your mind go there, is, is the first birth ever. And so there's all that DNA stuff that comes from mom and dad and how that works. And 95% uh, of your DNA is found in the cell nucleus, Okay, we're going to get a little scientific this morning. Are you okay? Everybody's had enough coffee to deal with that, okay? It's the nucleus of the cell. It's in there. But the outside of the nucleus is some energy-producing components known as, anybody know? Starts with an M. Mitochondria. Look at that. Wow. I'm impressed, okay? Mitochondria. And, and so just bear with me on this because I get excited about these things when I learn these things and because it, it puts together science and God. And we think somehow everybody thinks science is ex exclusive from God, that there's science over here and there's spiritual over here. But God set all that stuff in motion and it all works the way God set it up to work. It's one and the same. But in the mitochondria, there are circular strands of DNA material, genetic material called mitochondrial DNA. Um, um, and the mitochondrial DNA is all maternal. It all comes from mom, okay? So I even go to places in my mind of how it talks about how Jesus is fully God and fully man because there was, the man wasn't involved, but sin came through because of the mother, because he's born of a woman, okay? And all this comes from, this part comes from mom, Okay? And here's what, and where we're going, where I'm going with this will blow your mind in even more. It did me, okay? Because that mitochondrial DNA is derived from mother only, okay? We know we have 23 sets of chromosomes, half from mom, half from dad. But all the ones in the mitochondria come back to mom. Now get this, okay? This is cool. Back in 1987, there was this study done at the University of California, Berkeley, did a research test of 147 people in the world, like from all over the place, okay? And they made the discovery that all 147 of those people from all over the world had the same female ancestor. Isn't that incredible? It validates what the Bible says. That's interesting. 
they called her, get this, mitochondrial Eve. You know, maybe they're just doing that out of a pun or whatever, but, and they have referred to her as that, whoever this one ancestor is, which they say, we don't know who she is, we just know it, it, the science points back to all one person, right? I mean, we know who it, who it is, but, and some believe that she came, they did these, as they looked at their DNA, they're like, some of the scientists went, oh, no, it, it comes from Africa. And some were like, oh, no, it comes from Europe. And some were like, no, there's stuff in here that points to Asia that says this mitochondrial Eve is from Asia, okay? And here's what's fascinating on that, too, because after Adam comes the flood, you know, all that stuff happens after what we're talking about today happens. And when Noah settled, his three daughter-in-laws raised their children around Mount Ariat which happens to be the area that is the borderland for what? Asia and Europe and Africa. Isn't that fascinating? Okay? Very fascinating. But anyway, that's just a little information to go check that out. That just it's, it excites me. But let's get back and go to Genesis chapter 4. And let's just look at the first couple of verses here as we get started in this story about Cain and Abel, um, which is Cain is this first born son of Adam and Eve, okay? Genesis 4, now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So the, the chapter opens with like some joy and excitement and optimism. There's like this um, there had been the fall in chapter 3, and there had been this banishment from the garden, and these things had happened, but now he was pregnant, and she's given birth to her first child. Um, and, and it's just to think of what all that experience was like uh, must have been amazing. Uh, I, you know, like even, I even thought about, like, wonder what if she was like, honey, we, we, you know, that whole pickles and ice cream thing. She was like, oh, get me some locusts and honey. Or something I don't know. You know, I'm trying to figure out what that would have been there, but but she probably just experiencing all that and trying to figure it all out when there's no like medical science, no doctor to go to and go tell me what's going to happen. You know, I'm just going. How in the world did they even like? There was no hospital, no way to. Get, yeah, God had to help them actually through the birth process because that's that's just amazing. So this baby is born and she names the baby Cain. Okay, which is a word that that means to to get or acquire. Okay, to acquire from the Lord. Now I'm guessing what that that meant and why they named him this is if you think about back in chapter three, they maybe saw this as the fulfillment of the promise of this deliverer that would come that would set things right to what had just happened to them in chapter three, and when it talks about how uh, your son will 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 crush the head of the serpent with his heel, okay? He's, they're thinking, oh, this is the deliverer to come that's going to set all this right and destroy the, the serpent. Okay, so they're thinking, oh, I have, I have received from the Lord. I've gotten from the Lord what was promised. So they're like very hopeful and excited about this and, and probably thought, this is it. I have gotten or acquired the promised seed from the Lord, this deliverer. So while they ho- thought they were holding the deliverer, they were actually holding a murderer, right? 
And Abel's name, when you go to the other side, and the second son is, is there's, there's, there's a lot of confusion on this as I read through different things about what Abel's name comes from, but um, most of, of, of those that I looked at would talk about in this context of what they're naming this child is, is actually breath or vapor. It has this uh, implication of ascending, you know, like a vapor rises kind of thing. And so their thinking was, oh, we've got this deliverer, this, this one that God has promised, and we're just hoping that the second one will rise spiritually as well and, and will be a God-breathed, um, spirit-inhabited son as well. They're, like, hopeful. They're, like, this is the, the promised one that we're, like, excited about. We're hoping this one does something with his life too, you know, kind of thing. Does it have that kind of feel to it, okay? And, and perhaps at the, you know, you get into this. Let's, well, let's look at um, Genesis before we go there. Chapter 4, verse 3. Let's continue on. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. Okay, notice there's a difference in there. We'll talk about it in a minute. It didn't say Cain brought the firstlings. It just says he brought the fruit of the ground. Okay? And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Okay? Now, now it tells us in there, it says, in the course of time. Okay, I'm using the New American Standard Bible. Yours may word that just a little bit different. But the, the literal meaning is talking about at the end of this period of time or at the end of days is the literal meaning of that. In other words, it's, it's at a precise point of time at the end of something, okay? Perhaps the end of the, we don't know exactly what that is, maybe the end of the agricultural year or maybe at the end of this time when sacrifice is supposed to be made, okay? And, and it's not necessarily the first time that, I don't think it's the first time that they had ever done this or made sacrifices because I'm sure, uh, obviously, they were doing this because their parents had taught them something maybe that they'd got from the Lord, maybe going back to that first animal that, that was killed for the, the coverings for them. There seems to be instituted a sacrificial system at this point that they're supposed to follow. So their parents have taught this to them. They're doing this, and it would seem as though God had some means of showing approval or disapproval, accepting or not accepting the sacrifice. don't know what that is. I don't know how that worked. It doesn't tell us. You know, my mind goes to places like when Elijah, uh, you know, when he kind of challenged the prophets of Baal and said, okay, let's make sacrifices. You make yours over there. I'll make mine over here. And whoever's sacrifice God is pleased with or accepts, or consumes, then, then that's the winner. And fire came down from heaven and consumed Elijah's offering. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's how it was done, or it doesn't tell us. It, it, we just know that he had some way of showing approval, disapproval about this offering. Okay? And so, why does God say yes to one offering and no to another in this story of Cain and Abel? Okay? not accepting Cain's sacrifice. And, and, and maybe the, the easy, obvious answer is that the argument of, well, you know, Cain's 
sacrifice was vegetable, which is not the shedding of blood, and Abel's was a, an animal sacrifice. There needed to be this shedding of blood, and, and I, that pr- may have had something to do with it. You know, I think it's a, that's a very simplistic look at it and, and probably has some merit because as you look through history and how it developed all the way to Jesus and about his blood being shed necessary for the remission of sins, it, it's quite possible that that may have been the issue. But I think the real issue comes more back to motive than it does the, the material substance of what was going on and where the heart was versus what had actually happened. And, and, and that the blood thing makes sense in the sacrifice in the lines of, of here, here you're making atonement for your individual sin and then you get to the Passover in Scripture, you know, because that was the institute, and you get to Passover and it's for your family and then you move on and it's, it's the priest doing it for the nation and then you get to Jesus and it's for all who believe and put their faith in Christ. So there's this progression that you go, maybe that sacrifice of blood was necessary, and that could be a big issue, okay? Not exactly sure, but it does make sense in, in that context. But there's other validated reasons in Scripture as well. It's, it's much more complex than that. There, there's two reasons that I look at mainly from these passages and some other passages I looked at that I go, Here, here's... Here's why God didn't accept that. And I think the first one could probably be, as I talked about, the firstlings of, the, of his flock, is that there was a quality of the offering that was just not there for Cain, the quality of, of the offering. Notice in verse 4, there's a special note, like I said, that, that he brought those firstlings. It was the, maybe the firstborn. Maybe I think it's the, that was the highest quality. It was the, the best of his flock because he talks about how how he brought um, these these the the firstlings of his of his flock and their fat. So it was like the the most healthy, the most fat. We know that like even with cattle or whatever, with meat, the most tender, the best stuff that people go after. It has a high fat content. It makes it's it's just these were the healthiest, best of his flock. And so there's that note. And and here's a guy Abel who intentionally gave God his best was like, I, I could keep it for myself because I can sacrifice one of these and, and, that, and that should be sufficient. Why would God want to take my best from me, right? But no, Abel, didn't, he didn't look at it that way. He said, I just want to give God my best. He's worth it. I have faith in him that even though I give him my best and the first of what I have, that, that he's going to take care of me, that that's going to be better than if I try to take care of myself and keep the best and the first for myself and give him the leftovers. There's a, there's a, a faith difference in how he looks at it. And, and, and even the, the rabbinical commentators later on um, say that this word that he's using here for firstlings is talking about picking the very best from his flock, Okay. So the first and thus the best to the Lord, and he was careful about it, okay? But Cain was indifferent to that. It just says he just got some fruit of the earth, whatever he grew. He just took some of what he grew to God, okay? There was no mention at all in there about the quality of his, of his uh, offering to God, okay? Probably because he didn't care. He was just going, and here's where this goes to when we're talking about this. Um, it says that, that Cain just brought an offering. So there's a quality, a heart issue, not giving out of love or out of faith in who God is. 
it, it was just going through the religious motions. It's like, okay, I live however I want the rest of the time, and then I'll go to church and offer up to God, and that takes care of me, and then I just go back to living my life. It, it, it's, and I'm going to tell you, and, and I, I know the church at Rutledge, you may not know this, we, we do have the Southern Baptist background, but in that system of the Southern Baptists and local churches here, it's the same system that you see here of, of Cain's attitude. Jude 11 talks about the way of Cain. You might look into that if you want to go extra study, okay? What is the way of Cain? Good, good small group conversation, okay? But it's like there's this thinking, and I heard one pastor talk about it this way. There's this thinking of I've got this sin bucket, and I just go out, and I just fill up my sin bucket during the week, live however I want, just like everybody else does in the world, you know, go after the things that the world goes after, then I just take my sin bucket to church on Sundays and I bring it to the altar and dump out my sin bucket because the scripture says that God is, if, if we ask, he's faithful and just to forgive, right? So he has to forgive me, right? I mean, God can't forgive me if I walk up to the altar and dump out my sin bucket, right? So I go to church on Sunday. I might even cry and feel real bad about my sin and I dump out that bucket and I just go out back during the week and just fill it up again. And as long as I keep that going and I just keep dumping out that sin bucket and emptying it out on Sunday, then I'll be okay because I feel bad about it, okay? But it doesn't work that way. That's not what the Bible says is the way this is supposed to go. Jesus isn't that dumb, okay? He doesn't die just so people can keep doing what they were doing. He died for their sin so that they'd no longer live in sin, not that they would continue in their sin and just use him as some little rabbit's foot and go, okay, I'm good now. Okay? It's about a changed life. How often do we talk about that here? It's not walking, I'll pray a prayer, get baptized, join a church. All good stuff. It might, and might be the process by which it happens. Okay? You should get baptized and join a church and all that stuff. Okay? But the salvation thing is not just dumping out your sin bucket. It's, it's a changed life. It's he changes your heart. You start to behave differently. You place your faith in him, and that changes how you behave. And, and it's not because it's simply behavior modification, but because it's a, a heart change and it causes you to want to do different because the Holy Spirit's in there pushing you to do different, okay? So there's this quality of offering from, from Abel that's different from Cain, and the issue of why it's different is, is because Abel does it by faith and that God's going to take care of him, and Cain is just going through these religious motions. He doesn't really care. It's just something I have to do. It's my religious duty. There's no passion for Jesus, no passion for God, no passion for the Lord in, in what, what's going on, okay? And so I just, it's just a caution thing, too, because I, I know we come in here on Sundays and we go, man, the music's good and the worship's good, and, and, and we're, we're like, man, look at that. We're just worshiping God, but then we're going out during the week. What, what should happen here is a reflection of what's going on in your life through the week that you just come in here and celebrate how good God's been because you've lived a life of worship not because you come here to worship. And I'm going to mention that again in just a moment right here with this. Because the second thing I see here that I mentioned is it's not just the quality of the offering, but the character of the one giving the offering. It's the motive, the character, the heart. One is the quality, second is the character. Okay, now notice this in verse 6 and 7, okay? Then the Lord said to Cain... 
Because remember, he got mad about the fact that God didn't take his offering. And he says, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Okay? In other words, it's not just about this moment, but he's saying if you do well, if, if, you, if, you would, if your heart was for me and you had faith in me, it would cause your actions to go a certain way, and you would do well, and you would, it would change some things for you. It's not this moment that you give this offering, but it's, he's going back to that sin bucket issue of your life would be different. Your heart would be different. Your motive for why you're bringing this offering would change. You know, it, it's, it's this principle of God does not see the, the worship apart from the person doing the worshiping. God doesn't just look at the sacrifice apart from the person doing the sacrificing. Okay? It's more about the heart of the person giving the sacrifice than it is the actual sacrifice. Yes, there may be requirements for how this is to be done, but it's done that way by that person because their heart has faith in God that I should do this this way. Not because I understand it or I agree with it or whatever it is, but I love God, I know He's for me, I have faith in Him, so therefore I'm going to do what He says. Okay? So if you're corrupt, so is your gift to the Lord, right? Why is Cain corrupt? He lacked faith. He didn't give his offering, as Hebrews 11 tells us about Abel, Abel's story is by faith he gave what he gave to the lord it was because of his faith in other words cain just it wasn't by faith it was by religious duty because my parents taught me to do that there was no heart to do it saving faith is what abel had that would motivate him to righteous living and yes this is before christ but their faith is in a future and a Messiah to come, the one, the seed that would come that would crush Satan's head with his heel. There's looking forward to the cross. And of course, we look back to the cross, but it's the same saving faith in God. Okay? I want you to listen again to Hebrews 11, verse 4. It's a commentary on Genesis 4 in this section. He says, by faith, starts that whole thing out, but say, here's the issue. This is the issue. Okay? And let me say this, there's a difference between believing and faith, okay? The scriptures say even the demons tr- believe and tremble. They're afraid of the Lord, but they, they know who he is and they believe he exists. It's not simply that you believe God exists and you, yeah, I believe the Bible is what it is and God exists. That's just giving mental assent to something. That's just saying, okay, I believe it's real. Faith is saying, I trust that to the point that I know that if I don't, that, that, this, that God is for me, he loves me, I have faith in him, not in myself. I can believe God exists and still just be selfish and think, I, okay, he exists, but I'm just going to do it my way, which is what Cain did, okay? Belief and faith are two different things, okay? You've got to start by believing, but that has to progress to the point of faith in Christ, faith in God, in order for that to change your life. Okay? By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice 
than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. Okay, through what? How did he do this? Through what? By faith, right? By faith, he offered this sacrifice through which he attained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, it even says it again, and through faith, through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. How'd that all come about? By faith. And that was Abel. So with Cain, there's no real faith to produce righteous living. In other words, he's just going through the motions. So you can't just live however. It doesn't mean you're perfect. You get it right all the time. That's why you got to do the sacrifice, right? For them. For us, it's Jesus. He's already taken care of that. And I, and I, I, I just want to warn us, I don't think we can take just you know, one hour, hour and a half on Sunday and just plop our sacrifice down here on, on Sundays and empty out our sin bucket and go back to the world and, and think God will just go, well, that was awesome. That was a great sacrifice. Thank you very much. You're good. That's just not true. The worship is not separated from the worshiper. The sacrifice is not separated from the s- sacrificer. Okay? They're one and the same. Why are you angry? Uh, when God doesn't respond, you know, you look at Cain and, he, and he, God asks him, why are you angry? Okay? For you, that, that, that same question I think applies to us today. When God doesn't respond the way you want him to respond, when God doesn't do what you think God should do, what do we usually, what happens in us? We get angry, don't we? We so often go, God, why in the, are, are, do you not see what's going on, God? Are you clue, like God's clueless, right? God, do you not see what I see? Do you not understand what I understand? And he's going, oh, yeah, I know a little bit more than you know, just a little bit, okay? But don't we still do that when it doesn't work out the way we want it to work out? Okay, I can testify firsthand. I've been there, done that, okay? Still happens at times, Okay. It just doesn't work out the way you want it to work out. So what are we going to do? Get angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Why, why do we get down and depressed and we just say, hey, forget it? Right? You think there's times maybe God looks at us and goes, why are you getting like that? Don't you know that if you just follow me and have faith and obey and just, if you're really mine, if you'll just... If you'll just do well, it, it'll all be okay. Like, don't give up just because of this one moment that it doesn't go the way you want it to go. And he says, because here's the warning he gives. Okay, there's a warning after it. He says, hey, don't go that way. Don't get mad. Don't let your countenance fall. Yeah, you can express that to me. I'm a big God. I can handle it. You can express your anger and stuff to me, but, but you need to, just like he did with Cain, and he gives Cain an amazing amount of grace in this story. We think, gosh, why would God do that to people? He's really harsh and judgmental. But as you'll see, God gives a lot of grace to Cain, okay? Even right here in saying this to him, giving him his warning, he's saying, don't let your anger take hold of you. He's giving him grace right here to go, I know what's in your heart, but I'm giving you the, the opportunity to, to choose which way you're going to go with that anger. 
And, 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 and he says, I want you to understand, if you'll do well and follow me and have faith in me that I know what I'm doing, and you'll just continue on the way I'm asking you to go, it'll be all right. But if you fall to the way of anger and your countenance has fallen and you're just going to get mad at me and you think you're going to take matters into your own hands, here's the warning. Sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. It wants you to mess up. I want you to do good. Sin wants you to go this way and just ruin your life. You should rule over that sin because if you have faith in me, you can rule over that. The real giveaway that Cain wasn't right in his faith with God is his response to God. He's mad, he's angry. That's his response to God, and he was mad when he should have been humble. He should have said, man, he, he should have repented. He should have said, Lord, I'm stopping in my tracks right now. I repent. I'm, I'm just, I want to do right. I humble myself before you. God, would, would you just tell me how to make my offering, my sacrifice acceptable to you? Show me clearly what I need to do to make this right. That, that would have been good, right? But he got mad. People get mad at God these days because God just doesn't accept any religion and that all roads don't lead to God and, and people get mad and, and, and people get mad because he doesn't accept their religious duty, right? Like if you tell them, okay, if you, it doesn't matter if you obey the, the pillars of Islam and do all those things. Those things don't save you. People get mad when you tell them that, right? That believe in that. Okay? People get mad when you say, Jesus is the only way. Okay? They, they don't like that. It, it, they don't like you saying that God accepts all religions as being equal or all religions as being the same. They're mad that God would put, that to say God puts it forth that way. It's that it's only through His Son Jesus that they get to heaven. It's only through Jesus, the best, perfect, greatest sacrifice ever that salvation is achieved. But, but what does the Scripture say? It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, right? See, see that faith in there, the hinge between grace and Christ is we've got to have faith. And Cain was mad at God, but he's also mad at his brother, because there was some jealousy probably there. Well, you took his, why won't you take mine? Okay? And so he, and the seed of murder is growing in his heart. You know what the seed of murder is? Anger. It's being mad. That's why forgiveness is such a big thing. We'll talk about that around here a lot, about forgiveness and how forgiveness is not saying, I forgive that person because what they did was okay. I'm not forgiving them and saying what they did was right or what they did, that it's just letting it go. What you're doing is saying, I forgive them because I'm not going to let it control me anymore. I forgive them, and I'm just going to let God take care of that. I have faith that God takes care of those things, not me. Right? It's why forgiveness is such an important thing because if not, it causes us to be bitter. Our anger can take us to be better or be bitter, and we've got to be careful which way we go with that because sin is crouching at the door. Jesus said, 
you've heard it said, do not murder, right? Ten Commandments. But there again, Jesus says, but I say unto you that if you're angry at your brother without a cause, you have committed murder in your heart. That's where it begins, in your heart. Cain was a murderer first in his heart long before he was a murderer with his hands. And God knows this. God knows that Cain is struggling inside. He's wavering back and forth. He's torn between doing the right thing and letting anger become turn into actual murder. So God, knowing this, engages him. Look at the grace here over and over and over. God doesn't walk away from him. God says to him and begins a conversation with him. And he reasons with him. This is such grace. And he gives him a choice like, two or three times. It's, it's up to Cain. It's, it's like grace and grace and grace until it happens. Did you notice that um, on that sin part about it's crouching at the door, think about how that's personified there. It's, it's like a beast crouching at the door. What, what, does, what, what does the Bible say about, like in First Peter chapter 5, it says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, what? prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, right? It's, it's giving the same picture. Satan and sin are both looking to take you down, to destroy you. It, it has this same objective. Satan wants your sin to appeal to your flesh, and you just go with your flesh, not your faith, and make the right choice. Satan uses that. He uses our fallen nature against us. Okay? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. He killed him. We don't know how he killed him. You know, that's a question people ask. Oh, how did he kill him? I, I don't know. I don't know what he did how he did it. It just says he killed him. But I can tell you this. For Cain in that moment, it probably felt really good. He probably felt vindicated. He probably felt like, man, I, I'm, it, I'm justified in what I just, just did because I did the same thing he did, but he accepted him, but not me. So in that moment, he probably walked away going, that's right. See, see that? See what I did? God, that's your fault. I'm justified in what I did. And he, it felt good for a moment. That's what sin does to, it, to us. It entices us to think, man, it's going to feel good to do this. Revenge always feels good at first. It's like, yeah, they deserve that. But it didn't last. God meets up with him in verse 9. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? You ever heard that expression before? Right there's where it comes from, okay? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too much to bear. Still wrong response, okay? 
Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain... Look, it's grace again. Okay? Grace again. Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He confronts Cain over what he's done. God confronts him and, and consigns him to this. And, and, he, and he's still, the whole time, Cain's like, am I my brother's keeper? Like, what's, it ain't my problem, right? And God ca- causes him to wander from his family, from his homeland. He's, he basically says, well, since you're not going to be your brother's keeper, nobody will be your keeper. You're on your own. And Cain joins this wretched distinction of a man cursed by God. And he's wandering. Now his relationships are broken with his family, with God. He's in lifelong exile. And he says to God in verse 13, my, my punishment is too much for me to bear. Oh, really? Well, what did you deserve? He deserved to be killed himself. He deserved to die for his sin, Right? But did you see where Cain's at? This just shows more that it was a heart motive thing because Cain is still only concerned about himself. He's still going, well, this is too much for me. He has no remorse or repentance for killing his own brother. He's still sitting there going, well, this is too much for me. Only still about himself, right? I mean, how much is that reflected in our culture, right? No matter what happens to people these days, there's no, it just seems like there's no repentance or remorse or anything. They just excuse it and say, well, but this is going to cause this to do this for me. Then it's going to make my life this way. And and they just complain about, well, what about me? Well, what about the wrong you did? Do you not care? Oh, my bad. But what about me, right? That's just, it's just instant. Like, well, I said I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Never mind then, right? It's, o- it's okay that you killed your brother. You said you're sorry, right? No remorse, whether it's killing someone or, or just lying or some sin. There's no, like, I did wrong. That hurts the heart of God. And if I love him and say this, then, then my, my mind should not go to, well, well, what about me and what I get out of this and where I end up? It should be, oh, Lord, God, I'm sorry. And, and whatever punishment there is for that, I deserve it. You see the difference? So God even now preserves him and protects him from death. This is an act of grace. Think about it. Grace upon grace upon grace got angry at Cain. He didn't abandon him, but engaged him in conversation, gave him grace, gave him a choice, let him play it out, and didn't just cut it off right there, but said, here, you, if this is, you make a choice. Sin's crouching at the door, or you can do the right thing. And even having murdered his brother, God doesn't kill him. He protects him with a mark. We don't, don't come to me and go, what was the mark? Was it a tattoo? Or, you know, don't know, okay? Doesn't tell us, okay? I got that. 
But do you, do you see where this land lands with us? Our basic problem is a worship problem. Most people are worshipers of themselves, not of the God who created them. It's all about them, the consumers only. What does this do for me? Uh, we sit back in church even, and we go, well, what does this do for me? And I've got things to do, and they just want my money, and they just want me to do this because it's about the, you know, and, and we just go, but what does it does do for me? And it, it's, it's this whole mindset, Right? Our basic problem is a worship problem. We've got to have faith in God regardless of what goes on around us. And when we do, we worship in spirit and truth, not flesh and going through the motions. Cain didn't give his best. And sometimes people go, yeah, you know, here's this beat up old used thing I got at home and I don't really need it anymore. I'm going to get me a new one, so I'm going to give this old one to the church, right? Let's give it to them to deal with. I get a tax write-off, and then they got to deal with if it's even usable or selling it or whatever, right? We just we give God our leftovers. We give we just we just say whatever I got left. Oh, that that'll make me look like a good person, okay? But we should give God our best. Give God your best self, your best energy, your best time. Be generous of the first that you harvest yourself. Have faith in God. And say, I have faith in him to take care of me. It's not about me taking care of me. And don't let the root, the root of your sin, produce its fruit. The root from the fall is what Cain was struggling with within himself in this chapter. And he let the root produce the fruit, which was anger into murder. Okay? All of us have that wrestling match inside of us. It goes on all the time. Our flesh is still there, but the spirit allows us to be able to master it if we'll just by faith take hold of that all of us know what it's like to have the flesh warring against our spirit okay and against the spirit and we have to master it you ha- if you're if you are a child of god you have the spirit in you that can master that and you don't understand you, you know we don't see this on the front end, but sin always causes separation. It separated Cain from God, separated Cain from his family, separated him from fellowship. Sin always brings separation. It creates lonely, isolated um, people who, because this, there's this sin barrier erected between everybody. unforgiveness, undealt with anger pushes people away. It's the worst way to live. Okay? It's the worst way to live with that barrier between you and everybody else. Right? I had a conversation with a lady yesterday. And I explained that her issue. There's all this stuff going on around her. Okay? And the, the crazy part of the story, I won't get into it, I mentioned it in our prayer time this morning, but I felt convicted to go to this lady that she doesn't go to church here, it's part of the community, and she has a lot of problems, she gets in trouble a lot, she has addiction issues, and it's like, I just felt convicted, I need to go talk to this person, and what's crazy, and I'm, I said it to my wife, I said it to a couple other people, I was like, I just need to go, 
I'm just feeling convicted. I need to go talk to this person, tell them how much God loves them, how much I care about them. I don't want to see this for the life. God has something better for you. You keep get. You don't have. It's not about what other people do. Quit putting barriers between other people because it's just all sin that's separating you from everybody. Right? There's all this stuff, and it's crazy because I was feeling convicted. I should go talk to this person, and then all of a sudden I get a phone call, and that person wants to talk to me. I'm like, okay, God was working something out. Okay. But that. But but this is the issue for the person. It's it's like. Your faith is not causing you to live by the Spirit. It's, it's, you've got all this sin in you, around you, that's causing you to be separated from everybody and everything that's good. And, and it's the worst way to live. The worst way to live is not broke and poor and without things and it's it's not having those relationships it's not having family and 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 people in your life that you can share that the love of Christ with and and being separated from God that's the worst way to live we just need to let the lord take first place in our lives to change that so let's pray this morning and I just want to ask you, you know, head, if you just, with, as we begin to pray, as we all reflect a little bit, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never placed your faith in God. Maybe you just realized this morning, I've been believing He exists and I've been believing this is the right way to go, but I've never really placed my faith in Him to where it changes my life. Well, right now where you're sitting, you can do that. You can just say, best I know how, Father, I give myself to you. I realize you gave the ultimate, best, perfect sacrifice so that we don't have to live by that system anymore. But you gave Jesus to set me free from sin forever. You sent him to die on the cross in my place for my sin. And his shed blood covers it. So forgive me, Father. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn to you. My faith is now in you, not in myself, not in empty religion. But, Father, my faith is in you. May it just change my life. Father, I ask you to just fill me with your Holy Spirit and change me. Thank you for your grace. cause of my sin I should be just squashed and just put to death and be separated from you forever but because you love me and because of your grace I, I get to be forgiven if that's you and you're giving your life you're putting your faith in Christ for the first time today please let us know about that email me call me come see me any of our staff we, we just want to help you in your next steps, okay? Just right after the service. Don't, don't, don't wait on something like that. Man, it's exciting. It's, it's a new life for you. And we want to engage you as quickly as possible. For the rest of us, God, I just pray you would increase our faith. Where we fall short, would you just give us what we need? 
I pray that we would come here together on Sundays to celebrate what you've been doing in our lives all week long. That we'd come here to worship you because we've been worshiping all week. We've been living a lifestyle of worship. Father, help us with that. And God, when we get it wrong, would you just help us just to be humble and come to you and just turn from that and and see what we've done wrong and just make it right with you and just continue to follow you, not give up and go another route, not to turn to ourselves and our sin, but to continue with you. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, the greatest sacrifice ever that we can even pray to you right now, that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you, Father, so much for him. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.